Boom. Boom. Back to we'll it. Do it live. <laughs> WNBC. All right, we're back. Another episode of Hard Out, my favorite movie. This time we are with Martine Agliera. I can't do that. My son is in Spanish immersion, Montessori. Okay. He's seven years old. He's got the accent and shit down. I tried. Yeah. Martin. How do you say it? Martin. Oh, Martin. 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 Whatever. I've been called worse. It's fine. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite movie, dude? Um, this movie that you say you've seen how many times in a theater? I saw it 24 times in a movie theater, and my favorite movie is Call Me By Your Name. 24 times in a theater. That is fucking... I was mesmerized by this thing you know and i'm i'm somebody who watches movies frequently like i'll go and i'll watch a movie you know just to enjoy it for the first time and mm-hmm. i might go back two or three times if i'm like really enjoyed it just to kind of watch like the different elements but this movie was just so hypnotic to me i just kept going back and back and back and yeah is this during the days of movie pass? You remember that shit for a minute? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think I single handedly must have put them out of business. Uh, <laughs> right. I did I did it I mean I did it with this movie. I did it with like um, I mean I was going to the movies maybe uh six days out of the week sometimes, sometimes two movies a day. You know, yes. I was I was that guy. That shit was cool for a minute, but we were all like, How is this gonna last? And of course it didn't. It didn't. I I mean the way I see it, I paid like 30 to 40 bucks over the time that i had movie pass and i got to see you know like like gazillion films yeah it's like a theft so, almost <laughs> yeah yeah it felt uh, wrong <laughs> how many th- do you think you would have seen this film that many times if you didn't have movie pass that's what i was getting at yes i would have you would have paid 24 times Fuck yeah. yeah that's yeah. true love that's what the show is all about yeah um, i mean i i legitimately love the film i just think it's uh, a masterpiece i think there's so much about it that is uh I mean, it's just beautiful. It's hypnotic. It's be- well written. It's literate. It's um, you know, there's so many things about it. I even actually started like you know writing a notebook because I thought like I'm gonna write a book about this movie at some point. Oh, you know, just like the distillation of the film, which you know I do it often when I watch movies. Um, I'll think about movies in different ways. I'll think about the editing. I'll think about performance. I'll think about script. Uh, you know, uh, but this film, I just kept going back and back, and I just kept finding so many fucking things in it that was just uh, beautiful. So, I have a confession to make. Yeah, you fell asleep through it. No, well, you were watching it late. I dude, did, it was so late, and morning. I was hammered. Yeah, because we did a Predator episode last night <laughs> with Johnny Ortiz. Do you know him? Juan Ortiz. Yes. Oh, 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 oh I, bu- yeah. I believe. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. Yes, him and a buddy of mine, Ian, who are both huge predator geeks like they both had like predator statues and shit and oh my god yeah dude it was lit but do you have any call me by your name statues get in the chop how really into this are you um well i wrote a letter to the director actually but uh, yes can you read your letter on this no it's embarrassing Super, all right no. <laughs> well i'm about to embarrass myself as i was saying i got hammered on that shit with him started watching this was loving it but passed out drunk yeah and then woke up this morning and tried to finish it and i have like I 30 minutes talk left. about your dreams you had after watching <laughs> i don't remember them unfortunately he was um, dreaming about peaches exactly. apricots apricots uh, yes um apricots. so i have like half an hour left of the fucking movie it pains me to say i'm ashamed which i've never you should be ashamed let's just shut this thing down and we'll try another time sorry do you want to <laughs> no all right chris watched it so at least one half of us awesome. has seen it to its completion yeah. Um, but man, I was loving it for sure. It's everything you said. Like it's literate. It's beautifully shot. It's a, a lot of people would say the pace is languid, but that's to me. Oh, fuck those people. Point. Yeah. That's the point of it. That's what's so beautiful yeah. about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's if a you don't summer have, in Italy I kill for a summer, just lounging yes. around and swimming and reading and shit like that. You yeah. ever see like La Cienega? No. That Wait. film in, in the swamp that it's like a family living in this mansion in a swamp that's just decrepit and it's another film that is people would complain that it's glacially paced but i'm like it's steeping you in it it's putting you there over this long hot summer of nothingness or whatever you know what i mean now it's not that nothing's happening it's just that it's happening at the pace of real life not at the pace of a fucking editor just mashing it all together so you right right yeah it's very immersive i mean those are the kinds of films i appreciate i look i love all kinds of movies you know but the ones that i feel like really hit me the hardest are the ones that are sort of introspective you know like um i those are the movies that i'm just completely you know bowled over um 
by and yeah you know um that those kinds of you know sometimes film is about the silences and i don't think that some Absolutely. people who are just used to like the bang 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 or want explosions and shit all the time you know um i don't know you gotta spice it up you know variety yeah we just made this film cactus jack which i should say <laughs> we've been congratulations yeah i've seen the trailer multiple times it looks like Sweet, uh, fucking beautiful and terrifying actually it is but it's like water wall sound that's what i was going to say There's, it's an assault on your ears and senses yeah. and sensibilities but yeah. and we'll play a trailer after this it'll run um it feels appropriate for the, sty- for the style of the film, though. Like, yeah, exactly. But our next film, we both are like, let's make something quiet, dude. Something that just, like Chris said, immersive. You know, we're not trying to assault you with every fucking movie we make for sure. It's just like you said, it's dictated by the plot, the characters, the story. So, Chris, you saw the film from beginning to end. What do you think? What did you think about it? Yeah, like I said, it was immersive. It's very well shot, directed. The acting's amazing right um i love just the the place it puts you in you know um i would kill to just the, be there for a summer to be young yeah. and slim in italy for a summer <laughs> right. Jesus well, Christ. well you know it's the complete yeah. opposite of my life but his dad who who i really loved in it he was kind of the mvp mvp to me the the dad right. the uh, dr perlman i think it was yeah 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 um homework from a serious yeah. man right isn't that a yeah, that's Michael. Michael yeah. Okay. Yes, he's, he's fucking great. Incredible. Yeah, like every time awesome. he shows up on anything, I'm just like bow down. Yeah. Um, yes. But he kind of summarized it at the end for me because I'm more like him, I guess, where he didn't really allow himself to just really just let go and, you know, be as passionate and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of embrace life the way, you know, his son was doing. And, um, I think so many people so, are afraid of emotion, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he really, you know, yeah, that speech really touches on that for sure. God damn, I want to hear it right now. I'm so oh, mad God. at myself. Yeah. I feel, I'm just not <laughs> mad at myself. I feel like deprived. Like, a, yeah, yeah. A fuck, I mean, you know. understandable. But um, I mean, I know it's going to be good. I know a movie like this is but, building towards something. That's gonna, believe it or not, it, it, it's effective. almost like the, the, the most like explosive climactic moment of that film is uh what chris was talking about was like literally just a conversation yeah yeah i love it and it has that the impact i mean it just sends like ripples across everything that came before it it's just fucking amazing yeah because part of me was just bracing for the hammer to fall some death or something you know what i mean yeah like something really to go down and i kind of appreciated that it really was just about you know a summer feelings. in a relationship <laughs> what's that feeling i said yeah. the feelings yeah. yeah well actually you know luca guaranino said you know they try to finance this movie for about 10 years and what it Damn. came down to was the fact that um james you know um financiers didn't want to finance it with james ivory because at the end of the day they started you know they were just on the fact that he was older you know mm. there was some ageism going on so he was going to direct uh, it himself mm. at first yeah and luca was going to produce it and um mm. he he finally you know he just sort of in the process of producing the material and becoming familiar with the material and working through drafts of the script with uh with ivory you know at some point he just started to kind of own take ownership of the material and then finally i think some financiers were like you know what well if you direct the film we'll go ahead and make it for like a price and um they just they had a handshake deal and that's finally you know they agreed to do that so ivory stepped back from directing and just um was credited as writer dude i almost forgot i mean i didn't realize i thought he was dead merchant ivory movies that we grew up <laughs> on in the 90s and shit i love those fucking films but yeah. it's like what have i just been missing it has he been active the last 10 years he, making believe shit? it or not he's been active he's been active um as a producer as well you know uh chris terrio who wrote argo got the yes. academy award for that um basically got his start um with a film that uh was uh, produced by merchant ivory mm. and um he you know, I think, that? I, I, you know what i believe i forget i forget what it was called but it was sort of like a, just like an ensemble character piece set in new york my kind of shit and um uh i forget the title i'll have to look it up but and now um, terry yeah, was be- writing like batman superman movies and shit. yeah exactly exactly yeah he went on from from that <laughs> to that but you know um so th- he's been active and then ismail merchant had died you know um mm-hmm. a few years ago so but they had a really interesting working relationship as sort of a, a threesome with uh ismail merchant and ruth prara javala who's their like screenwriter for the bulk of their their films 
you know, she wrote Howard's End and The Remains of the Day and all the all the classics. Classics. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I really fell in love with watching this was rural Italy. Yeah, I mean, I already loved it, you know, but uh, man, just just amazing. That's well, just, speaking of like genre old, films, houses, the architecture, the what's that? Well, just I was gonna say, speaking of genre films versus kind of shit, Chris and I oh, got yeah. hired a few years ago by these uh mm. these Italian genre directors, the Minetti brothers, um, and they flew us out. Their producer flew us out to Rome for like Ooh. a couple of weeks to break story on the script and shit. And the first night we were there. They took us to some villa kind of out in the countryside at this fucking rich dude's house. And we watched this World Cup soccer game or some shit, right? Um, it was amazing. Though. I, I did not want to leave that villa. Rome, the city itself, is fucking mm. overwhelmingly awesome. But right. I could have stayed in that villa the whole fucking two weeks, dude. Totally. I'm all about that villa life. I mean, this it shit was is like amazing. amazing in this movie. That fireplace they had in that old house. Yes. You can Everything like about that. Burn yeah. people in that thing. The pool was just, I mean, yes. it's all just stone. They're so bad. Old. Just, it's got, you know, it's weathered and has character. And just thematically, you know, it's just such a movie that it feels like somebody thought about it. It's just like, it's not like, let's just tell a simple story. And I mean, not that that isn't a way to tell a, a make a film, really, but, you know, the thing about Luca, and I, I, he's just such an incredibly passionate dude. You know, I feel like he thinks things through, he's incredibly literate. Like, if you ever see interviews with the guy it's like he's just like constantly in his head you know which i kind of relate to a little bit and i think that's why the movie really speaks to me you know and i think because i'm 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 just, you know i am an outgoing person but it takes a lot out of me and that's i feel like the most i feel the most um uh, energized and at peace when i'm just sort of kind of just by myself in my head you know uh thinking things through and uh sometimes drink to that <laughs> yeah you know and sometimes when i um when i'm just you know you know, like getting notes on a script or something from friends you know some of my filmmaker friends um they're like okay like are you like are you okay like are you responding and i'm just like yeah no i'm just sitting here listening to you like i'm just processing just, everything yeah. you said to me just you know um I'm that's already... what you want somebody to do when they take notes is just sit there and fucking right. listen and process most people yeah. get defensive yeah. and no, that's definitely not me. <laughs> not my style, for sure. So what year did this movie come out? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, 2017, it was released. Um, it, it was filmed, I think, in 2016, in the summer of 2016. Went to Sundance in January uh, uh, this 2017, and then it came out officially, I think, that November. So prior to that, what would you say your favorite film was, since it's relatively recent? Oh God! You know it's always tough for me to say like this yeah, is my same. favorite film. That's my favorite. It's film. a ridiculous question. You it is, it, but then we have a we show about them. it, and I can't answer that exactly. Well, and then we ask someone, and they're like, "I've seen this movie twenty four times in the theater. This is it." Yeah, you know. Right. You know, uh, Francois Truffaut wrote a book about his favorite movies, and they were it was called "The Films of My Life." And I think he was just sort of going through and celebrating the films that he that he loved. And I I always thought that if I was to write a book about you know, the movies that meant something to me and that inspired me and helped, you know, do part of my development as a, as a man, as a person, as an artist, um, that I would call that book the ones I keep coming back to. Nice. So I feel like for me, I don't necessarily, I mean, yes, like this definitely takes the cake in terms of like, this is just a film that, you know, sometimes I'll just throw it on while I'm like cleaning my apartment just to like hear it and, you know, um, and memorize it and, and, think about it you know it's just so sometimes it becomes an auditory experience but um you know there are certainly a handful of films i would keep coming back to magnolia is definitely one of the top mm. films uh it's the film that made me want to become a filmmaker Fuck yes um and uh so i would say magnolia annie hall was high up there jackie brown mm -hmm. is probably my Jack favorite Brown's tarantino film oh yeah. yes yeah, it's, it's, I think, um, it's incredibly and deeply personal for me because Jackie really reminds me of my mom. Mm. Uh, just her, personal, her personality, her, her strength, you know. Your mom's sort of, shit, man. My, yeah, mom, no shit. <laughs> my mom was a badass, actually. Yeah, I uh, passed away a few years ago. But she's, yeah. she's definitely, you know, Sorry she's, um, thanks, man. But yeah, she's, uh, you know, she, that's, that's a film that reminded me of her even before she was gone. You know, it was just, um, I always had that, like, connection to, jackie's strength and and the way that she um 
she moved through the world and, and, you know, was someone who maybe didn't have a lot in her life, but you know, fuck man, every time, you know, she saw an opportunity, she would try to take it and oh, make yeah, the best dude. of it. Hustling. Um, I love Casino. I, I actually love Casino over Goodfellas, even though I think mm-hmm. Goodfellas is a masterpiece and I absolutely mm-hmm. love it, but I'm, I'm, I'm the Casino guy. I'm the guy Just who- that voiceover montage. It's the, it's the assault. I mean, it, it, it feels yeah. like a, it's like a cocaine movie. You know, it's just like boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 Energy. Right? Again, the opposite of something like this, but again, very much tailored so. to its story perfectly, you know? Yeah. And of course, um, the movie poster behind you, Heat, another great one. Heat is a great film. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, it's not. A, I, I saw it when I was a kid, when it first came out. You know, I remember those two, two, two pack VHS, you know, tapes that the Fuck they yeah. used to, used to you put had out. To swap the tape, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and I saw it, but I mean, I was just a fucking kid. It went over my head, you know? And so, yeah. um, but certain images always lingered with me. And then I came back to Heat about five or six years ago. And uh, it's just a movie I always heard Christopher Nolan talking about, you know, it's like Heat was Mm. such a big, I mean, he he rips off Heat for everything he does basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back and just saw it and just became obsessed with it. And then I actually got to go to a couple of screenings when they re-released the director's cut. And I went to a Q and A, Michael Mann was there. It was pretty great. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he, he he is definitely on that list. Um, man, I don't know. There's just so many. Like, I've got like a shit fuck ton of Blu-rays behind me. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that okay, I have like, yeah, a lot of particular. I, I feel like I have favorite films within genres, you know? Sure, Silence yeah. of the Lambs is another important film. Yes. When we pose this question, picks. a lot of people, yeah, they do that by genre. They're like, I could well, tell you. Well, I was going to say a lot of people's picks are from their childhood. So this is one, the, the first one I think that we've gotten into that, that I can, recall that was this recent a movie you know most of them I, say predator jaws you know raiders of lost ark right when they were kids it, it hit them and it's that stayed as their favorite movie for the most part but that's why i asked with this because it's so recent you know uh, i love that about that about this too, that, yeah. that you have this movie that had this profound effect on you at this right age at this point in your life first yeah you know it's yes, transformative because, versus formative you know right well, because yeah like you know of course you've lived since you were a kid and you know your tastes change and things like that so you know it 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 makes sense as well to for your favorite to change over time so it did and it just really hit me at a particular moment in my time and i I, in my life and um i think just aesthetically you know again it's just i really responded to the artistry of the movie and and how well it was built and uh but yeah you know uh, oddly enough i so i grew up watching a lot of movies as a kid and I didn't really have uh, a censor. You know, my parents were just like. Cheers again. We do whatever. this every episode. We drink to this every yes. To the parents who let their kids watch yeah. whatever the fuck. Yeah, I, I just, you know, if it was a movie, like, you know, they trusted me to be old enough and smart enough to distinguish between real life and movies. And, uh, uh, and so I would just grow up watching things. So oddly enough, though, I didn't grow up really watching kid films because right. I was that like you know precocious little snobby shit uh who wanted to be older when he was six seven years old i can't wait to be a grown-up you know so i i just cartoons did not interest me i i i you know all of my friends were watching like care bears and shit like that and i just mm-hmm. that was not my thing i um um it's and i was into like horror films as a kid i yes. think because i i could really yes. just um appreci- appreciate them um and something interesting happened to me once when i was 10 years old i used to go get videotapes from the library because you know had free movies you could just rent them watch them and i saw this cover for a vhs movie and it said hour of the wolf starring max von cito and i was like well fuck he was in the exorcist and this is going to be a werewolf movie the werewolf I was, movie i was like got 10 some years bergman old. shit yeah i I, st- I put it on and it's some like weird bergman movie and yeah. i'm just like what the <laughs> fuck is this and i mean you know but uh, you seem like the gear started working in my head as a kid i was like wow that's like that's great interesting Connecting and that's weird and you know and shortly thereafter you know i kind of started watching movies like the reflecting skin and I'd, have you guys ever seen that or no no it's an early film uh, that Viggo Mortensen was in. Oh, and shit, I'm there. This one is nice. weird and bizarre. And it's, it's like about a vampire and a child molester. Like, it's just weird. And uh, it's, as if Dave, to me. <laughs> it's as if it's, it's as if David Lynch had made Near Dark. All right. All right. So I recommend that. Okay. When yeah. I play this back, I will be writing that name down. The Reflective <laughs> just, Skin, you said? I the Reflecting did, yeah. Skin. Yeah. Reflecting. All right. I am yeah, all yeah. over that. 
<laughs> if I can find it, might have to get it on eBay on DVD or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it might be hard to find. I don't know. So many films are hard to hard to find now. You know, yeah. I find myself like fuck Blu-rays. I just go on eBay and find old films I love that never got released on Blu-ray. The, the anniversary I, party. Did you guys ever see that? Yes, it was, the Jennifer it, Jason Lee. Yeah, and Alan Cumming. DUI. Alan was amazing. Yeah. Fantastic script. Great films. Filmed in the Hollywood Hills with a bunch yes. of their friends. That shit's um, never getting a Blu-ray release. It's not it? on Blu-ray. No, no. So not. like, you can get a DVD, but you know, yeah, I need to get one too before it becomes obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've said this a few times on this podcast, but I'm that guy who has done the starving artist thing where I've masked like a thousand movie collection like three times in my life because I end up having to sell them all when I get broke oh, and shit. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, my, my, my Blu-ray collection has paid for my move to Los Angeles. I essentially, yes. when I first came out to LA, I, I sold, uh, I mean, I had like over 800 DVDs at the time. And I sold them all, and that that was the money that I used to help. It's always a heartbreaker too, because you never get near what they're worth, let alone what they're worth to mm-hmm. you. you know? Absolutely, and just how how carefully you've curated, you know. Yes. Um, and then and you're also, like some schmuck. You put all those years into amassing this thing, and some asshole with some bucks comes along and just in yeah. one fell swoop, they've they have it all, you know. Yeah, you just you just walk in with your 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 sad little box, you know, yes. and hand it over to the people. <laughs> it's and, depressing. They're like, here's fifty bucks. <laughs> I know. And you're like, dude, that's a fucking out of print Criterion and shit. Like, yeah. So, but, so what are you working on right now? Um, in terms of my own stuff, or yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm actually um, gearing up to make my first feature film. Fuck yes, do it. So thank you. It's a contained horror film, uh, and I am actually, as a matter of fact, tomorrow night, Sunday evening, I'm hosting a zoom table read, um, for, uh, with the cast. Uh, now this is just sort of a preliminary table read. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so that I can actually hear it out loud by professional actors. And, um, based on this, uh, table read, I'm going to do a revision and then in January, my executive producer and my manager are going to start kind of taking it out to financiers. And um, I'm going to be producer shopping because I need to find like a day-to-day producer. Um, my What kind of budget day- are you looking at? Well, you know, that's what I need to find out, right? I need to get a UPM or a line manager, mm-hmm. you know, line producer to break it down. But um, my, I'm aiming for a million dollars for a contained horror film with about six people, one location over the course of an evening. Um, and that's kind of my, my, you know, if I can get a little more, that'd be great. But, uh, it, you know, it's probably unrealistic, the fact that I'm a first-time filmmaker. Um, and, you know, just depends on who can get on board. But I have a great DP on board, uh, this guy named Michael Pessa. He just shot uh, Smiley Face Killers for Tim Hunter oh, and Brady yeah. Ellis. Yep. And um, he's shot a lot of films. He's worked with George Clooney. I mean, the guy is, like, probably going to be an Academy Super Award legit. winner one day. Yeah. So, um, can you say what it's about or the, what it's called? Um, it's called Erebus, and it's a contained <laughs> horror film. Hilarious! That Wait, script yeah. that the Italians hired us to write—that's the kidding. title of it. Erebus. Are you serious? Yes. Well, yeah. shit, I, I might beat them to it then. No, you will. That thing's dead. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Um, and um, it's—I I can't tell you too much about it just yet. But let me just sure. say, it, it sort of starts out as a crime thriller. Uh, you know, as the mm-hmm. poster behind starts out like a little crime thriller and then devolves into a horror film sweet okay so it's kind of uh, what we were talking about predator last night how it starts out as an action film that kind of devolves into a horror yeah. film you know mm-hmm. i love it when films and jaws do does the opposite almost starts kind of as a horror film turns more into an action film by then we were talking about that too. yeah exactly yeah. yeah which is cool though but nowadays you so often have people and this is something we're talking about as well, how they'll try and pigeonhole it, uh, executives and shit, like pick a genre. Is this a horror or is it a this? Right. Is it a that? And it's like, fuck off, dude. It's yeah. this and then it's this. <laughs> it's, it's so You know, an hour and a half, two hours long. Why can't it be one and then the other? You know, there's, there's enough time. <laughs> right, right. It'll be you better know. for it in most cases. Right. You break it off into different acts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I serving having to serve it a market and and things like that. It's that's always sort of the bitch of like you know, it's the business part of show business. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, that's, that's why we made Cactus Jack the way we did. We made that movie for twenty five grand. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> On cell phones and shit with no crew, essentially. You know, it's. Uh, I I admire that. I admire that, and I'm so happy that you guys finally got that. Going. Are you? If you can't find the million bucks, are you going to scale down and try and just make this motherfucker for 
a few grand if you can or what? I mean, a single probably, location, you know. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very determined to make it happen. Um right. I I happen to have um you know, I, I don't know how, how it's all going to pan out. It's going to be a learning journey for me. You know, um, I might even, I think, you know, keep a journal or document the process just so that I can mm -hmm. remember it, but also maybe so I can make myself of use to future filmmakers if this becomes a thing. Um, so, I, but, you know, so my executive producer is a guy named Adam Robitel. He's one of my dearest friends. He's a uh, very established uh, by yeah, now, he's uh, Hollywood a horror filmmaker. Name for sure. He's a horror dude. Um, so he's got a little bit of, you know, clout. And so I, I, I am coming at this, I think, in a very different way that you guys were. Oh, yeah, you got Practice legit Jack. people attached. We we did it like as a fuck the system kind of exercise. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I admire that. So I'm, I'm that's so that's kind of where I'm starting off. And I, I do realize that that's sort of his a name alone might help you get a million bucks. I mean. quite possibly quite possibly i mean i'm i'm you know over the years i've 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 been very lucky i've met some incredible people and cultivated some good relationships uh in hollywood and you know i think um a lot of them are just they really believe in me and they've 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 offered and expressed their support and so you know that's i'm gonna lead with that and and see where that takes me but again you know if that isn't able to do as much as it is, you know, cause at the end of the day, um, it just comes down to me, you know, really as yes. much as, as much as I've got these incredible, wonderful people behind me, uh, it's all on me, you know, and if, if I cannot make the budget that I want, you know, then I'll scale down and I'll figure out a way to do it, um, Fuck for yeah. a, a fraction of the price. Um, but, uh, it's the kind of script that from everyone who's read it, who's really given me their feedback and, and, you know, really responded to it. Um, they really respond to the fact that it's the kind of movie that could really be done for, there's like a $30,000 version of the yes, film. Yes, that's what I'm getting There's at. a million dollar version of the film. And then if this was like a movie star kind of thing, there is like a $30 million version of the film. So I, and I did that intentionally. I really did when I set out to write it because I really wanted to, you know, make sure that I could do it. But then if I could do it with the best possible resources, then even better, you know, like yeah. scalable. Yeah. 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 I definitely want to see a horror movie made by a person whose favorite movie is called me by your name. <laughs> I know. I was just about to say, are you wearing a Fangoria shirt? Yeah. I noticed that too. Yes. So yep. the fact that you'll be rocking a Fangoria shirt yet, your favorite film is called me by your name is a fucking thing of beauty to me, dude. Like so many, yeah. so many people that would be into Fangoria and just, retro horror movies and shit would not be into this film unfortunately you know you know there there are factions yeah for sure there's unfortunately because um i i just i really am you know um the guy i love high art you know in quotes you know yes. and i love like lowbrow shit you know totally. um, same I, yeah. I will sit there and just you know put on some popcorn and, and enjoy sharknado because i will enjoy it for what it is you know right. and, and i can actually watch movies and enjoy them for what they are and what their intention is and uh i can be profoundly moved by fellini and luca guaranino and truffaut and all these people and then i can just also you know, throw on Spielberg and and right. and just you know rock out to Raiders or whatever. So just no Marvel shit, right? <laughs> um, I have issues. You know, it's not so much that I don't like Marvel; it's just that they don't make the kinds of films that I respond to. Right. Um, you know, because I, you know, and a lot of my friends who know me uh, know that I kind of you know have like a love hate relationship with like blockbuster films. Same. Um, because I just think they're bad car most of them are bad carbon copies of really great things that they grew up the filmmakers grew mm -hmm. up watching yeah. you know they're so like nostalgia, <laughs> Abrams. nostalgia okay. porn has ruined hollywood in many right. ways you know, totally and it's it's part of the um it's derivative sort of you it's know derivative yeah. and it's but I, xerox it's copies of copies it's like dna right. decaying and shit with each well, movie that comes out you know and they all miss the point and they all miss the point and the point is that those films worked because they had an unbridled freedom when it came to the storytelling yes. um and the characters were allowed to be people you know, now I think you have to have likable protagonists. You have to have, mm -hmm. you know, you have to hit a plot point. It, like they've whittled it down to a the science and, and taken out the fun of the storytelling. And um, it's all running and jumping. They don't understand. Yeah. And here's the thing, though, not that it was not never a business, right? Like George Lucas didn't set out to make Star Wars, not knowing what kind of a movie it was or Spielberg mm -hmm. and what kind of movies those were like. They, they were very conscious that these were popular entertainments for the right. masses you know but um 
but they were still allowed to to do certain kinds of things without being you know um yeah reductive to the point of of just well it's taking up the spirit out of the film. part of it's the transfer of the studios from crazy ass magnates yeah. to corporations or whatever MBA the magnates yeah. would still bet on artists and hire artists and take risks that corporations just inherently are not going to take and, and right. just you see even in like kids movies because we talk shit like you said you weren't into kids movies as much when you were a kid but the kids movies like et and goonies at least have dick jokes and shit in them you're never going to get a kids movie with dick jokes in them these days, right you know? right so right. there's some subversion even to the penis four quadrant yeah. shit you know yeah yeah well like in goonies the statue yeah, yeah. they were like yeah. hey, we'd be put it back on upside down yeah, exactly he's gonna piss in his face or whatever it was <laughs> like i showed yeah. it to my kid goonies and just uh mama fratelli's like shit or something a couple times you know he's like oh, like a bad word and shit i'm like yeah dude that's what makes Amazing. it great yeah you know? yeah i got this constant struggle it's like uh fucking robert mitchum's hands and um, Night of the Hunter and shit yeah. uh, with my wife over letting him watch more grown up shit. Yeah, it's a balance. I, I recently um, uh, spent some time with my 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 brother and uh, his family, and we I showed my nephew like my nephews used to watching like How to Train Your Dragon, whatever. Right? How um, old are they? Um, so my niece is ten and my nephew is eight, and um, I you know they watch like how to train your dragon they watch you know like kitty things you know but my you're like hey check out this film call me by your name no <laughs> not even not even that i wish i had tried i had tried showing them night of the living dead um Makes like sense. a couple of years ago and they were really into it for about 20 minutes before it scared the shit out of them and they're like we can't watch this anymore <laughs> Hell yeah. um i started showing my nephew the movie bats nice. uh the the the, the film uh, written by john logan and uh he got through about halfway before he freaked out and we had to stop watching it. Um, and then, and, and then I introduced, him. You, we're just making people different though. Cause when we were kids, dude, yeah. we were watching hardcore shit. Like, I mean, I was watching Hellraiser, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah. So that kind of shit is kids. Nightmare on Elm Street, eviscerations, you know, absolutely. dude. And I will admit I had nightmares and I have anxiety mm -hmm. issues today. Maybe it contributed to that shit. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was mostly familial yeah. abuse situations and shit, but, uh, yeah yeah but who knows i mean the movies i did have recurring freddy krueger chasing me nightmares and shit as a kid and so. i remember pretty often holding my hand up to my eyes but then peering through kind yes. of stuff so you know i was <laughs> it was difficult to get through some points you know at that age but yeah yeah uh, i remember I, watching the exorcist and and getting under the blanket like hiding under the blanket yes. i was so scared but like it was an the afghan first... you could see through the net yeah and, and it was the first time I ever whistled i was like i just went <laughs> like this shit's scary. and I was like, "Oh shit!" I just whistled. <laughs> I whistled out. Thanks, yeah. the Exorcist. Um, but there's something too, though, about having nightmares that's cathartic. You know that, it, it, like you said, it's knowing the difference between reality and fiction, and knowing, oh, yeah. it was just a dream. And it's kind of like right. when you smoke weed sometimes, and you hit that paranoia shit, and you're like, Ugh. but then you yeah. get over that hill, and you come like, out, and you're like, everything's better than it was before the paranoia. I I don't know. Yeah, I know adults is. who can't, still can't watch horror movies, and I'm like, it's fake. What do you like? Yeah. You're not so watching you, real people get killed. Shit. Come right. On. Well, some people don't get. You know, they get the the anxiety. They don't understand how you can put yourself through some degree of tension and anxiety, and you know how that could be enjoyable. But to me, catharsis, that's catharsis, man. Catharsis. Yeah. Root of it. Yeah. Um. And and you know, one thing that really bothers me is like you know, um, I I have family members. You know, they'll let their kids watch like you know john wick and shit like that you know people getting right. you know i love yeah, right. i love those movies derek is but great. no sex well yeah the sex you cover your eyes you know and it's like you yeah. can watch violent things but you know that's people getting their heads blown off is unnatural you know if uh, watching rambo like mm -hmm. eviscerate an entire village is like unnatural uh but watching like sharon stone screw michael douglas is like not you know right uh, yeah I don't Dude, know. Dude, I talk about VHS tapes that got wore out. Ah. <laughs> oh, God. <It's> that podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basic Instinct. Somebody better pick that shit. Just basic like watch instinct. it again. You know, that's actually, you know, well, that's like one of my favorite, like, thrillers, actually. It's my probably my favorite erotic thriller. And the screenplay for Basic Instinct was one of the first scripts that I read that basically that was like one of those Esterhaus $3 million yeah. specs and shit, yeah. right? And he wrote it in 10 days. You know, and nice. from from the time that he wrote it 
that he sat down at the typewriter because the guy he fucking wrote it on a typewriter from the time that he sat down to write it to the time he put it in the mail was 10 days and uh photocopied it wallpapered the town with it he made the sale in three days so like it, like in the span of two weeks he sat down to write this fucking thing and had three million dollars in his pocket such different times you oh just, my god that shit would not happen nowadays especially for that kind of fucking movie well you know it's funny because i think you know i one of the things that i sort of identified about disappointment in hollywood is you know we all grew up with these stories of like the mavericks and the people we look up to and yeah, it's pecking you know, paws and shit like yeah you know and none of michael, michael chimino's and the john milius yes. and uh and um all those dudes all but, those conservatives know, that are yeah, in hollywood <laughs> yeah and but all those um but you know and of course they were all you know, white dudes, straight yes. white dudes, most white. But um, so, but you know, I, I sort of identified this as why people are so disappointed in Hollywood is because you grow up reading about these things and and romanticizing mm-hmm. the fucking thing. By the time you yourself get to a point where you're actually making your own shit, um, the business has completely changed so much. Yes. Like time has gone by, right? So now you're living off this dream that you created in your head mm-hmm. based yes. on the things you grew up loving. Yeah, exactly. Um, and by the time you get there, it's a whole different story. It and takes so, so long that yeah, it's, I mean, look, in the last few years, since you've been an active writer, in the last two years, look how much has changed from the writer's strike in 07 to the next, and now the agencies with packaging, how it's been, shit hbo max is now releasing all warner brothers films for 2021 uh, the theater model might die who knows i mean there's drastic changes all the time constantly evolving business which is only 100 years old you know yeah yeah the art form itself right 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 yeah i mean i think um i think theatrical is definitely kaput for the time being you know but i don't think theaters will entirely leave our lives you know Um, i mean i think think it's a lot of you know much ado about nothing like you know this this hollywood has been on its way out since um, sound and color was introduced into filmmaking. It was going to be the end of the fucking world, you know? Mm-hmm. And every time there's a new format or a new and thing. television like, when it came out. Catastrophe, yeah, you know, and, you know, it leads to innovation, you know? Uh, television led to widescreen, you know what I mean? Uh, and 3D and all these things. Well, I will say that throughout all of those, people, everyone didn't have a 50 to 60 inch TV that only cost yeah. 300 bucks in their house. And right. the whole theater experience shows. now, yeah, is vastly different. And you can hit pause and go, you know, take a leak or, you know, uh, make some more popcorn or whatever, you know. Right, I mean, right, right. I yeah. love going to the theater, but like we were talking earlier about how solitary you are and everything. My favorite time to go to the theater is like second run movie, cheap theater, last showing of the day. I'm the only dude in the whole fucking theater. You know what I mean? I, I don't I'm like, a morning guy. I'm, I'm I was going to say, I love that too. That's to, to walk out of the theater, know there's Sun. still the whole day in yes. front of you yeah. pretty much. And yeah, it is a nice feeling. Actually, I'll say that is my true preference, but having a kid and all that shit, that just doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, that is great. You come out in the sun, the, the shock of coming out of that dark theater into the sun, like, fuck, yes, dude. And, and then the you go have fun. Itself is still yes. lingering. It is the best. It is the best. Yeah. Yes. But the point being, with that first crowd, it's still small. I just, I can't stand the Friday yeah, night theater or opening night of some tentpole movie crowd. I can't do it anymore. I'm yeah. Done. <laughs> well, yeah. I'd, I'd rather watch that shit at home, you know. Um, yeah no yeah and so it's it's changing it's constantly changing it's not gonna stop changing so all you gotta do is you know i don't know it's like for me it's like just keep your fucking head down stop reading deadline and just do the do the work just keep none of that matters work on your own shit yeah yeah, what hasn't changed is storytelling itself actor saying words camera framing actor saying words you know what i mean it's like that shit's pure it's the same ever will be two cuts that absolutely have no relationship yes. to one another being melded together to give it a different context meaning, you know? yes. and mm-hmm. it's yeah that's that's always storytelling so so call me by your name yes sir did it did it <laughs> did it um are there like personal parallels in your life is it like an army hammer in your life or anything like that or you know is uh, there, did it speak <laughs> to you on that level like it did it did um there unfortunately is no army hammer in my life <laughs> You know, man, that's a tree I'd like to climb anytime. But um, yeah, I, you know, I just, um, I really related to being so rapturously in love with another human being 
um, and, and being brokenhearted by it. You know, it's like the first, the first heartbreak, you know, um, I know what that feels like. I could completely relate to, I actually, even though I guess ideally the object of desire would be army hammer. Um, I think what I responded to so much about that movie is how much I related to Elio. Um, and because he's somebody who's incredibly, um, also very internal, he's incredibly, you know, he's very tactile. He's constantly in his head. He's overthinking, you know, there's these beautiful close-ups, like when he's watching him dance on the dance floor, mm-hmm. Great. you know, and then he's sort of just sitting there and then he like leans into the camera and he's just staring and it's, you could see like his mind sort of falling in, in love with this guy. I love the journey that, that the director and that the actor took us through in his you know, basically in his, uh, yeah, on his path to falling completely in love with this guy. Um, so yeah, he there's talks definitely a lot, a lot of personal stuff there. For Elio me. talks a lot about courage. There's a couple of moments in the film he mentions not having the courage or whatever, and that's really oh, what much well, of it is about. Well, glad you but think about it this way, when he does, when he, when he reveals himself, right, when he finally tells him, yes. you know, because I wanted you to know, and he confesses his love, <laughs> he gives him that declaration that love uh, at a monument to war yes you know at a 170,000 yeah, right. dead 170,000 yeah. dead like this is a monument to people that have died you know and here is where courage he that's the moment he had the courage yeah <laughs> well yeah. actually it's interesting that you say that because i wanted to actually mention this i'm glad you raised that because um there was a point in the movie where they were uh the the, the mother was translating from a book about a knight and a princess yes. or something and the, the, the knight voiced voiced the theme of the movie by saying is it better to speak or to die, to speak about his love to her or to die, you know, to, to right. basically quell it, you know. Um, and that's and the thematic question being posed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was beautiful. And that's just one of the die. many incredible things about the right. podcast. It's better to die. <laughs> it's better to uh, die. Yeah. Just fucking die. <laughs> Shut the fuck um, up and die. No one cares that you love. <laughs> You know, and and also just the way I related to the movie, too, was um, that it was about the gay male gaze, you know, where I feel like you we don't necessarily get that in in film. And obviously, you know, just statistically, most filmmakers and storytellers are going to be straight just by the the numbers. But um, it really sort of leaned into the way I feel like gay men observe other men. And um, the the film is full of looks. Like if you pay yes. attention to the movie, there's just constantly, there's like shots of people just looking at other people. And that's a lot of the pacing of it is that it's, we're observing observers. Yeah, yeah, observing observers. And like, the, you know, there's a moment where he's at a, he's at the bar and he's playing uh, Army Hammer's characters, playing cards with these like dudes that he befriended when yes. he's gambling and uh, Elio is just standing by the bar looking at him and he takes off his sunglasses. You know, it's just like all these little yes. touches of, of, uh, of looks, um, specific close-ups and, um, you know, yeah. And then this idea of like, you know, call me by your name and I'll call you by mine, that they are one whole person, you know, um, that just goes back to like, you know, the literate nature of this film, you know, that's like from Plato's symposium, you know? Um, um, and also that, you know, when he first meets him, uh, in the film and he's like, you know, my room is now your room, like immediately thematically you're establishing, like, this is mine. What's yours is mine. What's mine is mine. And he says, we have to share a bathroom. It's the only way I can go through. So like, in only in order for me to, to, to move out into the world, I have to go through you, you know, like, it's yeah. just, I mean, there's just so much to this movie that's so fucking smart. And um, it is. It's I don't know how much, I don't know how much was intentional and how much this was like, uh, I don't know. I feel like. No, Luca feels very intentional. Any, like the long yeah. shot when they're riding bikes and it just sits forever and yeah. watches them ride into the distance. That's intentional. You know, it's yeah. not mm-hmm. just that, uh, I don't know. It's like, he didn't know where to cut right. or something. You know what I mean? There's, there's one scene that, that jumped out at me for whatever reason, when he's on the phone near the end and there's a woman on the bench just fanning herself in the shot. Yeah. You know? And I was yeah. just like that, that was intentional. I mean, you know, they could have yeah. just had him in the phone booth or the, maybe the empty bench there, but they put, you know, just like it helps make the world feel more complete. And, you know, Again, it puts you in the place of a woman's fanning herself. So maybe just yeah, constantly heat, heat hits you. Yeah, exactly. Bit, you know? yeah. Well, those little regional details, like when they take their sort of um, their, 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 you know, the big day when they finally have their kiss, you know, and they, it's kind of a long languorous day. Yes. Uh, and they stop by and ask this lady who's shelling, you know, she's shelling peas. Um, you know, for a glass of water and, mm-hmm. um, 
And speaking of water, you know, there's also another connection with water in the film. Uh, when they get to the, the berm, um, you know, they, they go into that pond and then Elio gives him that speech about the water running down from the mountain. Right? How cold it is. It's how spring cold water it from is. the mountain. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of like the water is, you know, purifying them and it's also holding them both together. Uh, and then Chris, as you know, later in the film, there's a, a trip where they actually go to the mountain and, you know, that's like the source of their love, you know, that, because that's where the water originates. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, yeah. Point. yeah. Beautiful. And uh, again, just synchronicity parallels um, that I'm just a sucker for shit like that when it comes to novels, when it comes to films. And I think because this film is so precisely intentional that way, um, but not in a way that's in your face. Exactly. Um, I, I just appreciate there's so much to discover every time you see it. Have you read the novel? I have multiple times. Okay. Was that after seeing the movie? Um, no, actually, I had read the, read the book, book a couple of years beforehand. Okay, so yeah. you were you knew the story when you saw the movie and everything already. I knew the story, but I was not. Um, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the book, and I, you know, and I thought about it over the years. And then when I heard that it was being made into a film, I was like, oh, well, that that should be interesting. I wonder what that's going to be. And I thought, oh, it's going to be this like smaller. I thought it was going to be smaller than it ended up being for some reason. And then I saw it and it just felt so much more grand, you know, than it turned out to be. Um, Luckily and, a master made it, you know, I mean, that guys. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the difference between and the acting again. Like you said, Timothy is obviously the, one oh. of the next, probably the next generational star. It feels like, you know what I mean? No, um, I feel like he, in, with this performance, he arrived fully formed as a movie yes. star, you know, and not, not just as a movie star, but like as a serious actor, Yes. Um, before he was still a scene stealer i'd only seen him in shit like lady bird you know but uh you're just like yeah. the kids got it whatever it is you know i'd never seen him before in anything you know and now it's like he's ubiquitous which is kind of funny he's playing yeah, bob dude. dylan yeah. yeah that's gonna be crazy yeah yeah um so Let, let's talk about the gay of it for a second sure like do you think if it was the same kind of story same kind of love story but it wasn't a gay story would you care as much would it have I mean, resonated as much is that what resonated with you so much is that well it's nice it's always nice to see a film about queer people where there's no hand-wringing and there's no tortured you know yes. feelings about your sexuality mm. and there's no um uh you know there's no shame in 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 the act of sex and having only seen I mean? part of it First off, the mom seems like she's in on it and knows already. So oh, there's intuition. She could. Tell. It's mom. funny that comes up at the end because because uh, uh, he asks his dad, "Do you do you think mom knows?" And the dad's, "I don't think so." Well, so, it's funny because I wonder if that just says what the dad the dad doesn't know the yeah, mom is because I I picked up on that too. I was like, I feel like she would she knew you she know, knows. I feel he like. just didn't realize she knew. No, I've only seen it half a time. I mean, you've seen it twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> right. seen it forty eight more times than me and shit. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's, um, I, I think, yeah, I think she knew, I think the dad is not aware that she knows. And yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, that's that, that, ironic, you know, that he's, it that goes, clueless. he thinks he kid it on and she didn't, but she was way ahead of him, you know? Well, it goes back to the speech that he gives his son about, you know, I, I have never allowed myself to go there. I have never. So the fact that he can't like even his wife who he adores, you know, right. he, he can't, was he, awesome. that they're not they're Even they are not connected on the same level right. that Elio and Oliver are. Right. And they haven't had this even enough of a connection to discuss their son's sexuality. If she doesn't right. know, you know, um, right. it's a conversation they've avoided for whatever reason, but she seems so cool with it and everything, you know, I'm in this, scene where sunny and share the guys yeah they call oh, isaac and- yes i love that actually dude. um one of those guys is actually andre asiman who is the writer of the novel oh no shit oh, and, awesome. and by the way andre asiman, the novel the book is written by a straight man yeah well oh, that's something i wanted to get into with the gay of it i know you're not some woke jackass you and i have talked about this kind of shit before cancel culture etc how do you feel when it comes to the representation thing that neither of the actors themselves were gay are you one of those people who say gay people should play gay roles and shit or i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck like i think uh I think it's like you're an actor that's the point actors, it's it's body. writing and acting that's what I mean, it's all listen, about is 
how many gay or bisexual actors haven't been playing straight people for years, right? You know, we right. had Montgomery right. Cliff, we had Rock Hudson, we have yes. Marlon Brando, who is bisexual, you know, James Dean. All, all. Yeah, is that to say gay people can only play gay roles? Get the fuck out of here. Well, it's not, you know, I, I mean, I understand where it's coming from. I think I, I can I can understand and I can sympathize the, the, the desire to see somebody like you in a world yeah. that, you know, you as you move through the world. And listen, I get to live in you know, Los Angeles on the West coast in a big metropolitan Mecca, you know, you don't and, get to, you sold your fucking treasured um, movies to get there. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm very, you know, I, I don't feel that as much as, you know, maybe other people in the country who, who yeah, might where want the that ringing more, is more yeah, prominent okay. in their daily lives, you know, if you had stayed in El Paso or something, you know, well, there was no way I was going to stay in El Paso. I, you know, I never, <laughs> you, I, yeah, I just um, I I never felt at home there. I mean, I it I I'm not nostalgic for El Paso. I grew up there. I lived there till I was 18, 19 years old. You know, I am not nostalgic for it the way a lot of other people might be nostalgic for where they grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't miss There's the a place house to I grew up in. I didn't grow. I don't miss the geography or the landscape. I miss the people who are my my you know my mm. dearest friends and family. And aside from that, I'm good. But um. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it doesn't bother me that they're straight actors playing gay roles or, you it's know. It's funny, Army Hammer said, I read that he, he said uh, the most uncomfortable scene to shoot in that with all the kissing and all the, you know, everything going on was the dancing. <laughs> the dancing scene yeah. was the most Dude, awkward. you know how I feel about <laughs> dancing. It was awkome for me watching it. Every time, I'm just like, how is that fun? I don't get dancing, I like honestly. It. I'm, I'm happy for everyone who gets it because it's torturous <laughs> to not get it. To be someone who just can't Rap their I mean, I like it when they're like, of it I'm world. straight. I like it when they're a woman around dancing with me. You know, I don't like just doing it for its own sake, but. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what it is. You have to look at it as some, a bunch of peacocks yeah. out there trying to fuck each other. Cause otherwise, what are you doing? Like, well, you know, dances. Well, although I do it a lot. I enjoy dancing. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, it's dance is just it's fun. It's performative. Yeah. You know, it's it, gets, it gets you moving and shit. I know. I'm just a fucking yeah. weirdo about it, but it, I don't know. I just, it seems so. I don't know. It's weird. Like, but, check uh, away the music. You're like, what the fuck is everyone on? Like, what drug? It's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. We should all be doing it constantly. Maybe I'm just too uptight. Well, like in the Middle Ages when they had those like mass, mass hysterias. Yeah, the hysterias, the dancing yeah. hysterias. It's crazy. Like a whole time. People would die and shit. <laughs> you just can't stop dancing. Yeah, that's, that's uh. intense. It, it, um, it seems we to me like that a, movie. Some, something along the, on the vine somewhere down the vine of like the speaking in tongues church shit and everything just uh which probably does feel good too when you if you just get into sure it, it and you embrace it it's probably fucking awesome you just gotta believe i don't believe yeah. in dancing <laughs> so, uh. well uh yeah so but getting back to representation like i am not it doesn't bother me at all like i don't have problems with that i i i understand why the argument is made but at the same time, I am not someone who's going to make that argument. You know, I, I want the best actor for the role. Yes. If the perfect actor for the role is a trans woman or a trans man, or if it's a, a cis man or a cis woman, like, I don't care. You know, like, I just want to see the ideal character. Um, well, it's, it's by the ideal into who's allowed to tell what story now, too. What was that book? Something America. Um, they were adapting it, I guess, film rights became an issue because it was a white woman i think it was writing this border tale of hispanic oh american american dirt Dirt. yes american dirt exactly so it's it's getting to this point there where people were telling like chris and i as two white dudes can't write so many stories we just had a tv show that i think we ran into some of that that it's very latino centric and we're a couple of white dudes and it should be a latino person telling the story not us you know and it's like well i mean i think i think authenticity is important right but i think a story i think a story belongs to whoever claims it the most whoever loves it the hardest whoever commits to telling the story i don't think stories necessarily you know uh, there are certain stories that are specific to certain people and to certain cultures and stuff like that um, but that doesn't mean that someone else can't tell stories about those characters as long as you're authentic to who those people are. Right, and exactly. Not- Look at like the Merchant of Venice, like Shakespeare writing about a Jew in Venice, Italy. You know what I mean? It's like. Right, right, right. 
I mean, that's part of the joy of writing is getting into the heads of people and try and the research. Something we should encourage is is people trying to embrace like the whole appropriation thing to me is strange. What don't we want people? Well, everything's appropriated. I mean, it's so ridiculous. The world, the world is appropriated. You know, we've, we've all borrowed from each other. It's a melting pot. We appropriate each other's food and that's awesome. (laughs) Right. I love it. I mean, who's that uh, famous uh, white dude who, cooks mexican shit frontera grill guy um fuck he's like master chef type dude but uh he has gone to mexico and really steeped himself in just the intricacies of moles and shit and fell in love with and he every time he cooks it's a love song dedicated to that culture but well, that's what it should be. Cultural appropriation. That's what it should be. You know, well, a theft. You know, it's a homage. You know, I'll be honest. The problem, I don't think necessarily is you know the people who are making these accusations. Like, sure, that's fine. I get it. You know, you you have a need to say something. Say it. It's the, it's the people. It's the people who choose to engage with them. Yeah, like, take if it somebody, seriously. Give if it somebody, well, if somebody comes at, if somebody but, comes at me with that shit, I'm just gonna small pol- smile politely and move on with my life. Like, I, I have no that's yeah. just too much I, yeah but i, like, I like think it affects the system that you're trying yeah, exactly. to operate within i like to keep the drama on the page and that's where i'm going to keep that's it saying you know? of ours yeah, too we say, we say that all the time but, but um listen but for your like for example for your show you know white dudes who have written about you know this latinx community and the the whatever it is that the story is revolving around it um as long as when you get to the point where you're going to make the show, then just bring in those voices exactly. around you. Exactly. you know, bring in up with people who the know writers, uh, cinematographer, you know, just the, yeah. the produ- production assistants, just like have people around you who actually know what the hell that is like right. specifically, just so that there's points of reference and there's, you know, and that's so that they have a say, I mean, look, what we do is collaborative, you know, it's not just like, you know, if I wanted to just make things for myself, I would just write novels and short stories, you know, uh, film requires and television requires, requires you know um community that's probably why i'm writing more now that's our biggest drawback (laughs) of it is fucking people (laughs) yeah i mean that is to the purest form of storytelling really i mean when it's just you're i mean the purest is the campfire and just oral but you know but i mean that i just try not i just try not to engage with those things because on it like i had to learn the hard way and it's just like you know you can go down the rabbit hole of Here's you, the thing, I don't, you can spend half a day wasted on Facebook just trying to argue your point yes, with somebody who yes, you've never even fucking I've met. Done like, it many times. No, no, no. no. Uh, Procrastination. Uh, here's the thing: well, the it is enough to have all these views, and and there will be different things that suit each person's. You know, put story. it in your stories. Put it in your characters. That's what I always say. Create art as an answer to it. If you don't like right. the way this piece of art is, don't start bitching about it and canceling the yeah. artist. Go make your own art. That's a fucking answer to it. You know. Sure. Um. And kind of what you were alluding to, I don't invalidate any of the feelings behind any of this because, yeah, there is a representation problem and we should be hearing a more huge, divorced voices, et cetera. Of right. and the, but the thing but is, the fact it's that... It's a the, bad tactic and a bad argument to address well, that problem, I think. You know? I, one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people feel like, you know, okay, like you've had a chance to tell your story because, you know, uh, these particular stories have been dominant in the culture. Right. And so you don't get to tell those stories anymore. We're going to tell our stories now okay, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there's enough room, you know, for everyone to tell their stories. That's, that's where I'm coming at it from, you know? This is why we yes. also made a movie on our phones for 25 grand and could have made it for less, to be honest, probably, um, if we did our own post and everything. That's been a lot of it. Um, and we've had a big hand in post, but mm-hmm. our manager brought some people in to help and shit. But the point being that, there has been this democratization of the process. You talk about it being collaborative, but it does not have to be nearly as collaborative as it is. You can on your phone with a skeletal or zero crew, shoot a film with your friends. You can tell exactly the kind of story you want to tell. You can stick it on Amazon and tales to be told. Well, that's only, I was going to say, that's only if you, if you, if you are okay without, with making the kinds of films you want to make without the support of the Hollywood machine. Because I think so many people come into filmmaking and being wanting to be cinema artists uh, from the, with the ideology of like, I, I want and I need a place in Hollywood in order for that yeah, to happen. Fuck that. You can make a movie. For some people, that's the goal because they just want to be making films in Hollywood and it's not even the storytelling or anything that's really the well, motivation. You know, but, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's your no. motivation. You yeah. know, like there's, 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 like I said, there's room for everything. Yeah, Hollywood's a very specific thing that sprang up because the magnates were initially exhibitors 
and they needed more content. They were Netflix, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Netflix started making their own content, and it became a very specific thing. And then when TV came along, movies were like, well, we got to do big things TV can't do. So movies got bigger and bigger and bigger, but they don't have to be. Hollywood's a specific thing. And if you want to tell a story about, especially some little human story about representation and shit, you know, it's a... If you think it should be a Latinx person who's running and jumping in one of those big movies instead of a white dude or whatever, totally get it. You know, there should be more. There's a beauty to Black Panther, et cetera. But uh, make your own films, make your own little films and work your way up to that shit, too. Like the Russo brothers started with Welcome to Collinwood and shit. Just a little movie, you know, right? people talking mostly. Well, yeah, and and we need to. I mean, again, we do need to see that. We do. I like. I think I may have mentioned this to you in the past that I am dying to do, to do something like a, like a Die Hard with like John McClane. Instead of saving his wife, he saves his husband. You know what I mean? Like yes, that kind dude, of thing. But we're, we're amazing. But I would love to do that. I would love to do you know like um, have like a gay western where it, it's mm-hmm. you know just part of it. Like and you know this is just part of my own research and reading about homosexuality in the old west and frontier times and all that stuff. Um, it was just so common practice, you know, it was so, I mean, it really, you know, when you were out in the wilderness, you were away from women, you were away from so many things. Yeah. Soldiers throughout history and stuff. It was a group of men. Yeah.